the third part of this series on discipleship we discuss the normal growth path of a child of god the development we ought to take as we journey in the christian faith all of us ought to move from being believers to becoming disciples growing into ministers of jesus and becoming leaders in the body we motivate each one to make this journey let's say this together this is god's word This is God speaking to me. I am what God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I am blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of his blessing. to many people i believe his word i receive his word and i live by his word christ is my master and to him i am in absolute surrender in jesus name amen god bless you may be seated you know try this out every day when you wake up in the morning don't say oh man another day oh such a bad day no acknowledge the good things that are in you in Christ Jesus say this is the day the lord has me so i don't feel like it it's okay just say it it won't harm harm you if you say it acknowledge the good things that are in you in Christ Jesus say i've been healed by the stripes of Jesus so but i don't feel healed now let's think about this there are times you don't feel saved is that right I don't feel very saved. But you go around saying I'm not saved. Even when you don't feel saved, you still say I am. So why don't you do the same thing about healing? Even when you don't feel healed, you say by his stripes I have been healed. Acknowledge the good things that are in you. Now you may have done the worst kind of thing you feel very guilty you feel condemned but you don't say i'm not saved i've lost my salvation no you know you're forgiven you acknowledge that you're saved so acknowledge you're healed acknowledge you're the righteousness of god acknowledge you're in right standing with god acknowledge that you're more than a conqueror acknowledge that god always causes you to triumph in every situation Acknowledge that you are an overcomer. Acknowledge that God goes before you. He makes a way for you. That God is with you. Acknowledge the good things that are in you in Christ. Amen. It's going to build your faith up. It's going to make you strong. Rather than just depending on your feelings, okay? That's not the sermon this morning. This morning we're going to continue talking about discipleship. Uh, I just want to quickly review the the first two messages in the series on discipleship. We began with the command, with the great commission in Matthew 28 verses 19 and 20. Jesus said, "Go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and I am with you always even to the end of the age." So he's given us this commandment go and make disciples. So we said three important things from this passage that we are 
disciples. Jesus is not looking for church goers or church attenders or church members. He is looking for disciples. You and I are called to be disciples of Jesus. Second, disciples are made. It doesn't happen the first, you know, you walk in a church once and say, okay, no, I'm a disciple. No, no. It takes a little bit of time to become a disciple. Disciples are made. There's a process. It's going to take some time. Give yourself time to grow, to mature, to become a disciple. But then Jesus expects disciples to make more disciples. So as you become a disciple, he wants you and me to make more disciples. In our first message, part one, we talked about the characteristics or the the identifying marks of a disciple. How do we identify a disciple? What did Jesus say? would be the identification or identifying marks of a disciple. We mentioned five of these. Number one, a disciple, as a disciple, I continue in his words. I remain in his words. I'm committed to his word. I live by his word. That's my standard. Second, as a disciple, I love even as I am loved. I walk in love. Jesus said, by this people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love one for another. Number three, I pursue fruitfulness as a disciple. I cannot remain stagnant in my life. I got to push, got to grow. I got to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. Jesus said, this is how my father is glorified. If you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. So as we bear fruit, we are recognized as disciples of Jesus. Number four, as a disciple, I endeavor to be like my master. He is my standard. I pursue becoming more and more like him, conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. And number five, as a disciple, I carry my cross. He said, unless you take up your cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. The cross is a place of sacrifice. It's a place of separation from the world. It's a place of suffering. I'm willing to take up my cross. So these are the marks of a disciple. Last Sunday, part two, we talked about the process. How does Jesus make disciples? So we went back into the Gospels and looked at how did Jesus make his disciples right then? He picked up ordinary people, fishermen mostly, and said, come, follow me. And he transformed these ordinary people into becoming disciples of Jesus. What did he do with them? Here are the things we observed. First observation, he called them to be with him. So even today, for us to become disciples of Jesus, we must be with him. Spend time with him. Amen? Secondly, they were together as a team. They spent time with other disciples. And they, they fellowshiped. So you and I cannot make this journey Christian journey of our Christian faith alone. We need each other. Maybe one other person, two other people, few of us. Just get together, uh, meet with each other, encourage each other. Form your own groups. You don't need official permission to do all that. Amen? Just meet in your home, in a cafe, somewhere in the park, under the tree, whatever. Just meet and, and fellowship and talk about the word and pray together and strengthen each other uh, in the faith. Together as a team. Number three, he sent them out to do whatever he taught them. So serving God and serving his kingdom is important. And it's not just about attending church. You need to serve the Lord. You need to get out there and do something for Jesus. All of us. Amen. 
So that's why in, the, in church we have so many opportunities to serve the Lord. I mean, you can serve God on Sundays. If that's the only day you have some time to spare, get involved. There are volunteer teams that you can be a part of. Uh, ushers and sound and setup and worship team and all kinds of things happening. Get plugged in. If you want to know, just, just go ahead to the first time visitors lounge and talk to them. They'll tell you where, where you can get involved. Get involved. There are missions opportunities right here in Bangalore. You could be part of Catalyst that goes into about seven schools, I think. Um, LO8, which goes into the college campuses that we just talked about. You can be involved with those. Uh, you could go on missions trips to Mangalore. It's not too far. Or you can go far away to North India. <laughs> just get involved. Do things. Serve the Lord. That's how you become a disciple. Amen? Number four, they learn through their experiences and mistakes. You know, we all will make mistakes. No one's perfect. We'll have our times of stumbling and falling, but we learn through it. We correct ourselves, pick ourselves up and keep going. And the same thing happened with the disciples. They made mistakes, but they learned through it. They learned about the Lord and how to walk with them. So as we journey with the Lord through various situations and experiences in life, we learn to be disciples. And number five, most important thing here is this, that as we walk with Jesus, he never gives up on, never gives up on you as you go through this journey of becoming his disciple. This morning, I want to just kind of build up on that and share with us what I call as the growth path. Meaning, how should I progress as a believer? All of us should be progressing in this journey of our Christian faith. And, and, and how should I progress? And what do I see in the Bible as a, a growth path for me as a Christian, as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, as somebody who's pursuing becoming a disciple? What's the growth path? I want to talk about moving from a believer to a disciple to becoming a minister and a leader. You say, Pastor, you mean all of us are going to be leaders one day? Yes. But then who will follow us? Plenty of people. The ones we bring to the Lord. Amen? So don't be afraid of becoming a leader. God wants you to rise up and carry responsibility in the house of God. Or in his body. Whether it's in the house or outside, doesn't matter. But God wants you to be a leader, carrying responsibility, being a man and a woman of God. You say, but pastor, I'm behind the scenes. Okay, be a leader behind the scenes. <laughs> Doesn't matter what your role is, but you're carrying responsibility. So all of us should progress along this path. And so we want to talk about that this morning. Let's talk about being a believer. You know, most of us understand what it means to be a believer. You know, it's not about being a, you know, a Christian by name because you can, have a Christian by, you can be a Christian by name and still go to hell. Amen? Because unless you're born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. You say, but I belong to this denomination. I signed my church membership. It's okay. A lot of church members were in hell. You're not saved by your church membership. You're saved because you're born again, because you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Amen? So that's what makes us believers. We believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That he died for our sins. He rose up from the dead. We are born again. That's what really makes us Christians. Believe, believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. We've embraced, as, uh, as, as believers, we've embraced Jesus as our Savior and Lord. We have repented from walking our own way. We've repented and turned towards the Lord. 
and we have faith in the Lord. Hebrews chapter 6 verses 1 and 2 talks about the foundation. At least the New Testament foundation which every believer must have. Hebrews chapter 6 verses 1 and 2. The writer of Hebrews says this. He says, therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation. So he's saying, hey guys, come on, let's move forward. It's like what I'm telling you this morning. Guys, come on, let's move forward. Let's not lay again the foundation. I mean, it's 12 years. Let's not lay again the foundation. And then he tells us what the foundation is. He mentions six things which uh, should form the foundation of every believer's life. Six things. He says, not laying again the foundation of what? Of repentance from dead works. I'll explain these to you. Let's just enumerate them. And of faith toward God. Of the doctrine of baptisms. Of laying on of hands. Of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. So he's saying these six things are foundational. We've all got to have them. And then he says, let's, okay, let's graduate from this. Let's leave this behind and let's move on. So as a believer, these six things are foundational for us. We need to know these things, have it understood in our hearts. First, repentance from dead works. That means repentance simply means to turn away from. I turn away from dead works. In the New Testament, dead works refers to two things. One, it refers to religious works. Trying to make our, you know, trying to make our way to God through all good things. Religious works. So I repent from doing those kinds of things. No, no, no. I am not saved by those works. I am saved through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and my faith in that. Amen? So I've turned away from it. Dead works. But dead works also tells us about ungodly works, immorality, uncleanness. So I've turned away from those things. So as a believer... This is foundational. Repentance from dead works. Amen? Number two. How to have faith in God. That's foundational. That means how I believe in God. Believe in His word. I confess His word. I exercise my faith in God and His word. That's foundational for a believer. That's why we teach us. To believe the word of God, to confess the word, to act on the word. Having faith toward God. In all of life situations, you have faith in God. That's foundational for a believer. When you're going through the valley, you have faith in God. When you're up on the mountain, you have faith in God. When you face the storms of life, you have faith in God. That's foundational for a believer. Amen? The third thing he talks about is understanding the three baptisms. The Bible talks about three baptisms. One, there is the baptism in the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. That is, when you're born again, the moment you're born again, the Holy Spirit takes you and baptizes you. He puts you into the body of Christ. So now you're part of the body. You belong to the body. That's why you're part of a local church. Because the local church is an expression of the spiritual body of Christ. 
So you understand that you've been baptized into the body. The second baptism is the water baptism. We have water baptism, I think, every other month. It means that after you believed in Jesus Christ, you publicly testify that you are identified with Jesus, that you've turned away from sin and believed in Jesus Christ, so you're water baptized. Say, what pastor? I was sprinkled in, in church. That is not water baptism, that's sprinkling. Amen? Say, but they did it in the name of the Father, Son, Holy, but it's not in the Bible. You need to be baptized, immersed in water. That's the way they did it in the New Testament. That's the way Jesus told his people to do it. Amen. So he said, you mean that sprinkling is not baptism? Yeah, it's not baptism. What is it? It's sprinkling. But they gave me a certificate. That's okay. Jesus didn't say those who get certificates. Amen. So if you've never been baptized in water, immersed in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, baptized, what do you need to get baptized? Because Jesus commanded it. Amen. Say, but I was baptized, you know, that time and I, I didn't know anything about Jesus, but my parents took me and they baptized me. That is still not valid because you are baptized after you believe. Amen? So does it mean I need to get baptized again? Yes. Because after you believe, you baptize. Amen? The third baptism is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Which is to empower us to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. As you find in Acts 1 verse 5 verse 8. So these are the three baptisms. These are foundational for every believer. You know that you're baptized in the body. You're baptized in water. You're baptized in spirit. You're walking the way God wants you to walk as a believer. Number four. It's the understanding the practice of laying on of hands. Laying on of hands usually in the New Testament primarily is to bless, is to heal, is to impart the work of God. So you understand that it's foundational for us as believers as we pray for one another. We lay hands on each other, we pray, we minister healing, we minister blessing to one another. You understand it, we practice it in church, you come for prayer, you pray for others, it's laying on of hands. But laying on of hands is also used to appoint leaders. So when people are appointed as leaders in positions of responsibility, lay hands on them, appoint them as leaders. So you understand it, it's practice in the body of Christ, it's foundational. Number five, it's the understanding and faith in the resurrection of the dead. That means as a believer, you believe in the resurrection of the dead. You believe that one day uh, Jesus will come back and all those who believed in him will be raised up from the dead, will be caught up together to be with him in heaven. You believe in all of that. Uh, that's foundational for a believer. And number six, the last one, is that you believe in eternity and judgment. You believe that one day you and I will stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account of the deeds done in our body. Uh, those of us who are believers will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we'll receive rewards uh, for the things that we have done. That's in 1 Corinthians 3 and 2 Corinthians 5 and several other places. So you believe in these things and these six things are foundational for the life of a believer. Amen? The writer of Hebrews said, let us lay this all behind and let us move forward. Let us move on to maturity. Meaning, all this is understood for us as believers. No more questions on this. Let's move on to maturity. Let's move on to the next level of becoming disciples of Jesus Christ. So, all of us believers should be clear about these six things. Now we move on to becoming disciples. So the next stage in our growth path as Christians, as believers, is becoming a disciple. Which means I now 
pursue to becoming like Jesus in every area of my life. I pursue becoming like him. I want everything about me to reflect who he is. And this is what God wants for us, desires for us. Christ likeness is God's intent for all of us. God wants all of us to grow into becoming more and more like Jesus. And that is a sign of maturity. Becoming like Jesus. Now, it's very important to understand we never outgrow the previous stage. Just because you become a disciple doesn't mean you stop being a believer. No, you're building up. That just because you now become a disciple doesn't mean you stop doing the things that you need to do as a believer. No, you still continue on that. You're building up now. You're going to the next level. You're maturing. Look at some scriptures with me in Ephesians 4, 13 through 15. The Bible says that we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to a mature man, which is the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That means I'm growing to maturity. What is the standard for maturity? It's the full measure of Jesus Christ, the stature of Jesus Christ, meaning Christ-likeness is Christian maturity. And he continues over there in verse 15, speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head. That means in all things we grow up to be like Jesus. That's maturity. You know, Paul is writing to the believers in Galatia, in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 19, he says, My little children, for whom I travail in birth again, until Christ be formed in you. Until Christ be formed in you. So it's like Paul is saying, I'm going through labor pains again. I am working and my serving is like labor pains. It's like a woman giving birth. So he's writing to the believers in Galatia and he's saying, my little children, he considers them his own children. These believers are people he's brought to the Lord. And he's saying, I'm laboring one more time. Why? I want to see Christ formed in you. So, as we work with believers, as we work with with one another, we are laboring, we are working hard. For what? We want to see Christ form in people. Amen? And notice he's telling them, I'm laboring in birth again, second time. First time he did. But then what happened? Some other people came in, they brought in wrong doctrine, and these, these, new, these believers, they, they left everything Paul taught them, and he went away, they went away, started following the wrong teaching. So Paul is trying to bring them back now. So is it possible for somebody who once believed in the Lord suddenly to just go away, have some change of mind? Yeah. So what do you need to do? You need to work again a second time. Work with them. Work with them. Why? So that Christ can be formed in them. And that's the whole purpose for all of us in ministry. What are we trying to do? We're trying to form Jesus in people. Amen. Listen, I better tell it straight. If you're going to a church that is not helping Christ be formed in you, don't waste your time. Amen. Because that's the whole purpose of New Testament ministry. It is for Christ to be formed in people. 
And if Jesus is not being formed in you, if you are not being changed more and more into the image of Jesus Christ, then you're wasting your time and the ministry is wasting their time. Amen. Look at what Paul said in Colossians chapter 1, verse 28 and 29. He said, him we preach. We preach Jesus. We are warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom. Why? That we may present every man perfect or mature in Christ. To this end I also labor. Meaning I work hard. Striving according to his working which works in me mightily. He says, Paul is saying, you know, why are we working? Why are we serving? Why are we preaching? Why are we teaching? For one reason, we want to present each person mature, grown up in Jesus. Amen? So what's our goal with all of us? We want every person to grow up to be like until Christ is formed in us. And he's saying for this towards this end we labor, we work hard. We are striving with all that we have with the strength that comes from God. We're working because we want every person to be mature, to have Christ formed in their lives. It's going to take time. We may have to labor again and again and again, travail in birth again and again and again. But we will do it until Christ is formed in each person. That's the whole purpose of ministry. So... Understand that we need to move from being believers to becoming disciples where Christ is formed in us. Where we become like Jesus. Where our pursuit is to conform to the image of Jesus Christ. Christ likeness becomes our standard, becomes our passion. And we pursue that. We're being, becoming disciples. Skip a few verses there. Let's just go to the third growth stage which is becoming a minister. So we don't stop becoming disciples. We must move on to becoming ministers. Now, when we say the word minister, everybody's thinking now, it means I have to get a BD, an MDiv. I have to become right reverend, left reverend, whatever. You know, archbishop. And we think about those things when we think about ministers. You know, but in the Bible, the word minister is very simple. It simply means servants. Very simple. But in church, when you say minister, let's welcome ministers. So we think like somebody big. But in the Bible, the word simply means servants. That's all. So we from believer, we become a disciple. From disciple, we become ministers, servants of Jesus Christ. We start serving the Lord. And God wants each one of us to become ministers. To serve him. You know, again, going back to what the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews chapter 5. Look at verse 11. He says, you know, he's telling these believers of whom we have much to say. We have a lot more to tell you about Jesus, but it's hard to explain since you've become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again. It says by this time you're supposed to be teachers. But that's not happened. And you still need people to teach you once again the foundations. It feels a little frustration there. Meaning he's saying, listen, I've served you enough that by this time you ought to be teachers. You ought to be nurturing other people. 
But instead of moving up to that stage, you're still remaining in the stage where you still need somebody to nurture you. It's not good. Are you with me? Amen? So, that's progression in the Christian life. You need to go out, go past the stage of where you keep being taught and taught and taught and taught and being nurtured. I mean, yes, you need input, but you need to move into a stage where now you begin to nurture other people in the faith. See, but I don't know everything. You know, honest truth, even I don't know everything. Amen? I don't know everything. So I'm not standing up here because I know everything. I'm standing up here because the little I know I like to share. And you can do the same thing. That's all. What you know, you share. You say, you know, I've been nurtured by these things. I want to pass it on and nurture some, a few others. And help build them up. So there's got to be this progression in our journey where we move from being believers to being disciples to being ministers of God where we begin to take on responsibility and begin to nurture other people. Now, when I, when I say ministers of God, I want to make it clear here that it does not mean that all of us will have a pulpit ministry. You don't need a pulpit ministry to nurture other people. You could nurture people in your living room. You could nurture people in your classroom. You could nurture people wherever. I remember in my, in my own journey, as soon as I came to know the Lord, and maybe I was you know, 14, 15 by this time, and and I was reading my Bible. I hadn't even read the whole Bible. But I, I did a five-minute Bible study during short break. Our short break was 15 minutes. That was between, I think, 11 to 11.15. We had a short break. We were studying in Bishop Cotton Boys School. In those 15 minutes, I said, invite friends, come, let's go to the chapel. And did a five-minute Bible study. So what can you do in five minutes? A lot. Try it out. And there should be a group of 10 boys and all young boys should all get together and I'll teach them. Take one verse, explain it, pray, go back to class. That was it. Had I read the whole Bible? No. But whatever I was learning, I was passing on. And today, we are making so many resources available to all of us. We've got publications, they're free. Just take them, use them. Have a Bible study. Go online. Every sermon from 2004 is up on our website. The MP3s are there. The PDFs are there. And most of them even have a PowerPoint. It's all there. What do you do? Just take it. Feed yourself. Pass it on. Amen? You can do it. And sometime a little later, I started a Bible study in the Methodist church. Every Saturday evening, uh, I think it was like maybe four to six or something like that on Saturdays. Again, I was just in my teens, maybe seven, 16, 17 at that time. And just teaching. Many of the things I'm teaching today, I started teaching then. So why are you teaching the same thing? Because the Bible still reads the same. Amen. Every time I turn to Mark 11, 23, it still reads the same. So what I was teaching back then, when I was 16, 17, still teaching the same things today. Nothing different. Bible's still the same. 
Just use different language, maybe. Give, it a, give the sermon a different heading. Change it a little bit. But the truth is the same. Nothing different. And I was only 16, 17 doing that. You can do it. Just whatever you've learned. Get a few people to say, come, let's study the word. Let's pray. Let's share with them whatever you learn. Because there's a time when you need to go from just being taught to becoming a teacher. Nurturing somebody else. Becoming a minister of God. Serving God and serving his people. Whatever way God can help, God will lead you to do it. You don't need a pulpit. You don't need a mic to serve God in whatever way he gives you. But nurture other people. And from that, as you serve faithfully as a minister of God, whatever role, whatever capacity, whatever gift you have, whether it's in worship or any, any gift, anything, you're serving faithfully, helping others, you're helping nurture others, what happens? There comes a time when you move from just being a minister to also becoming a leader. Now remember, you never graduate from your previous stage. You are a believer, you are a disciple, you are a minister, but now you also become a leader. What does it mean? Leader means you're carrying responsibility. Amen? You're, you're willing to face the fire if something goes wrong. You're willing to uh, be accountable for other people's lives. If something goes wrong with them, you are held responsible. That's being a leader. And I believe God can make all of us as leaders. You carry responsibility for some area of ministry, some people, uh, some, something. Just, just go on. Amen? Now, a leader in the kingdom is not a big shot. Out in the world, being a leader is like a big thing, you know. People open the doors for you. They carry your bag for you. So we have the wrong idea of being a leader. Now, in the house of God, it's totally the opposite. A leader means you're the least. It means you serve. You work the hardest. You pay the biggest price. You go the farthest. You stay awake. The, at least not for me. I sleep early. But for most people, you, see, you, know, you work long hours. As a leader, you pay the biggest price. That's what it means to be a leader in the house of God. It's not a fancy position. It means you're willing to take responsibility for the lives of other people. We don't have time for this, but in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, 1 Timothy chapter 3, Paul lists out the requirements of those who serve as, as leaders in the house of God. And he calls for godliness. He calls for good behavior. He calls for somebody who's not a novice, not a new believer, but uh, lest he fall into pride. He talks about somebody having a good testimony in the world. All this is important. There are three very important things I look for before I can raise people up in positions of leadership. And, and I believe it's the heart of God as well. Number one, as leaders, we must lead by example. The greatest way you lead people is by our own example. Paul told Timothy, a young leader, he said, be an example, 1 Timothy 4.12. Be an example of the believers. You set the standard. Raise it high. Why? Because you want people to come up high. You don't want them to go down. So be an example. Have a high standard for yourself. Number two, as leaders, we must serve with the heart of a servant, not desiring for position, power, or influence. 
we hold on to things very lightly. For me, being a pastor is not the biggest thing in the world. So you can take all this away from me and I'll still be happy. Why? This is not the greatest thing. I'm not living for this. I'm living for Jesus. I know I can go to any city and raise up any church. It'll happen because of the gifting and anointing of God is there. I can go any place and raise up any church. It'll happen. So holding on to this position is not the biggest thing. So as a leader, it's not about the position, but you have the heart of a servant. The reason I guard what I'm doing is because I'm accountable to God. But beyond that, there's no other interest but to serve people. Amen? So the second thing I look for is somebody who's willing, who has a heart of a servant, whose only motive is to serve people. I want to bless people's lives. I want to strengthen people. And third, as leaders, we must learn to walk in humility and submission. The only way you can have people under your authority is if you learn to walk under authority yourself. Amen? So I look for that. I look for people who are willing to walk under authority because then I know we can entrust people under their authority because they themselves recognize what it means to walk under authority. So three important things. As we progress from being believers, disciples, ministers, and getting ready for leadership, keep these three things in mind. Your life example counts a lot. The heart of a servant willing to serve people counts a lot. The willingness to walk under authority and in humility counts a lot. Then you're ready for leadership in the house of God. Amen? So this morning, I just want to challenge you and me. This is our growth path. We do not expect any one of you just to be believers forever and ever. Amen? You need to go. From being a believer to becoming a disciple, to becoming a minister, to becoming a leader. Amen. So, one thing I realized is people will, most of us never try to, you know, make ourselves up uh, and try to push ourselves up by our own accord. We do that in the, in the corporate world, but not here. So, what I noticed in the house of God, we need to push people. Amen. Eh? We just say, hey, come on, now you take on this responsibility. Most people say, oh, but, 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 boss, I can't do it. No, no, go do it. You can. We believe in the God who's in you. We believe in, in the God-given potential and you can do it. Just go, do it. The best way to learn to swim is how? Listening to swimming techniques, watching swimming videos, reading books on swimming. The best way to learn how to swim is jump in the pool. The same thing with the best becoming a disciple or being a servant of God or a, or a leader. The best way to do it, hey, jump in the pool. You learn how to survive. Don't worry. And in case you're drowning, just shout, Jesus, help me. He'll pull you out. Pastor, push me in, Lord. He said, I'm supposed to be a leader, Lord. Jesus, help me. He'll pull you out. Amen? But Journey this growth path. Let's grow up in the house of God and uh, serve the Lord. Let's stand to our feet, please. Would you pray about your own life, about your own journey as a Christian, as a believer in the Lord, and say, God, I, I heard these things, but I want to grow. I want to move forward. And there's plenty of room for everyone in the house of God. So don't worry. 
whether you'll be, you know, obstructing somebody else or getting in somebody else's way. No, as long as your heart is pure, just keep moving forward. Just keep growing. The only thing you need to watch about is your own heart. That's all. Just, just keep a pure heart and keep growing. Keep pushing forward. Going from being a believer to a disciple to becoming a minister of God to becoming a leader in the house of the Lord. Whatever role, whatever capacity, God will decide that. He knows what's best for you. Or would you pray and say, God, I want to move forward. I want to remain where I am and I want to help others move forward. I want to make this journey. As you're standing here this morning, if there's anyone here, you've never received the Lord Jesus Christ into your life, you've never been born again, I want to say it as simply as I can and yet as lovingly as I can. Unless you receive Jesus Christ, unless you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, unless you're born again, your eternity is at risk. There's only one way to the Father. It's Jesus Christ. There's only one way to be saved from sin, to be rescued from hell, and to have a place in heaven. It's through believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. So is anyone here you've never made a decision to believe in Jesus, would you do that right now? Right where you're standing, would you pray and say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sins. I believe you died for me. And you rose up again. You're alive today. I turn from my wicked ways. And I turn to you, Jesus. Help me follow you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.